Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with my friend, Sa D. Simone. Hopefully, y'all can hear in the background. I am recording this from the nature. So there's some birds chirping. There's a, a brook babbling. And uh, yeah, I'm out here. We're in Malibu, California for a few days. Sa is a fantastic human being. He is a transformational life coach. He is a meditation teacher. Uh, he's a best-selling author, international best-selling author of the book, Spiritually Sassy. And uh, he's great. He is a barrel of monkeys. He's super smart, super intuitive. And he's had a pretty wild ride in his life journey. So it's a really beautiful experience to get to share his history with us here, some of the lessons that he's gathered along the road. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation. Once again, it is my extreme pleasure to be able to share such amazing minds with y'all. So thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this conversation, you can share it with friends. You could talk about it in the streets. You can get a billboard, get yourself a megaphone, stop some traffic, let them know. Also, you leave reviews on the iTunes, Spotify. I don't actually even know if Spotify does reviews. Just, you know, just enjoy the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Hope you do, in fact, enjoy this. And here we go. Back to the scheduled program with my guy, Sa Di Somo. Pow. How was your breakfast? It was good. Good. What'd you have? I had three eggs Woo! on toast. Damn. Yeah. Yolks, and it, yolks and all? The whole thing. You're living. Yeah. Damn, I'm with that. It's also very new for me, you know? I was vegan for six and a half years, and then in the summer, my friend Luke kind of convinced which, which me. Which Luke? Uh, Luke's story. Oh, Luke's my homeboy. Yeah. I figured you guys would know each other. Yeah, of course. Uh, I was having ankle pains from running. The only exercise I would do is running, and then he... He was like, you should consider eating ghee. You should consider eating meat. And I was like, uh, I don't know, Luke. I've been sort of like, you know, disciplined with not eating meat for six and a half years. Yep. And then I went to Air One and I stood in front of the the bottle of ghee. And I was like. Did you have a. Oh, shit. I was did, like. Did you tune in? I was like, oh, I want this so bad. <laughs> and I grabbed it and I ran to the cashier and I was like, hurry up in a bag. Let's go. You that's, know, like so ashamed of, of buying ghee dude, and like people seeing me buying ghee, you know. That is the funniest thing. Yeah. And so what's the impact been? Two weeks later, the pain was gone. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, fuck you, Luke. You can't make this shit up, you know, like legit. The pain that I've had for years, gone that's right. in two weeks. I love everything about that. Yeah. So I've been eating everything, but I've been like breaking out from eating meat. I'm not eating like cheese, but essentially eating everything else. I think with anything, it comes down. It's more, it's not about what you eat. It's about the origin of what okay. you eat. Yeah. Vegans are the most militant, which is interesting and, yeah. and, and ironic. Yeah. There's, an, there's a book by a guy called Paul Arden that I like called Whatever You Think, Think the Opposite. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people that seem to be the most like you know, pacifist, free love, all that stuff. When you really get to the root of them, I'm like, oh, there's some anger in there. There is. Oh. There is. Oh, my God. That's why yeah. you preach this shit so much. Yeah. Look, being vegan at the beginning was exactly what I needed it. 
was exactly what I needed to sort of get out of the the head funk and just sort of like start to energize my body. Yep. But I feel so much more relaxed now that I have access to like, you know, that I can go to a restaurant and not be like, hey, was this cooked in this? What happened to that? Yeah, you course. know, or yeah. like go to anywhere or someone's home. And, and I feel like people would feel uncomfortable, yeah. you know, because I'm, I'm sober. I'm vegan. I have all these sort of like, you know, people were looking at me and be like, oh, it's kind of hard to make you feel comfortable. I'm like, no, I'm fine. But I think the, the relationship that people have with the ways that I lived usually like trigger something in them. But not being vegan, it's, it's kind of like the sober thing is a whole other topic. But I feel like this, the vegan thing has been... Uh, I feel so much more relaxed and I feel energized. Mm. I still get a little cringe. Like yesterday I was cooking steak for the first time ever, making my own at home. Yeah. And I just, the blood got on my hand. I was like, ugh. Yeah. And I just closed it off and I was like, all right. <sighs> your life was not in vain. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll carry forward your energy and I'll create something that's impactful that can help other people to remember their nature to be better humans and then that kind of like awakens me to then do it but i'm still not i still don't know how to actually like properly cook a steak we can cook a steak sometime okay we could do some organs there's all sorts of varieties so it's an interesting thing that we have culturally once again whatever you think think the opposite we've culturally veered away from eating the parts of the animal that would actually be most prized in nature okay so if you see a a wolf or you know a hunter gatherer you know any kind of animal in nature hunting prey yeah they would go for the heart and the liver and all of that juicy fatty Mm -hmm. bits culturally we've kind of put that into a box of like ooh, it's gross it's cheap and in fact that actually has the highest concentration of a whole plethora of Mm -hmm. nutrients and so it's an interesting thing how we kind of we culturally like pick and choose. We put things into boxes. Yeah, we're like we're like we're like continually trying to draw lines. I think to make ourselves feel more comfortable. Yeah, it's funny you're talking about the the like liver and heart and all this stuff. My massage therapist and acupuncturist both at the beginning when I had just moved here and they were I was telling them about the ankle pain because every person I work with I'm usually like there is I have this pain in my ankle. It's been here for a long time. Help me out. They both would say you gotta slice up some beef liver and I was like I don't think I could ever get myself to do that and like grill it with a lot of onions and make it yourself I was like bye girl it's gonna stick with this but it was a slow it was the slow build up you know now talking about it I'm like "Hmm, maybe if you cook it and it's like a thing maybe I'll be interested it's actually the first time I'm actually talking openly about not being vegan anymore so thank you for that yeah of yeah. course do you feel like there will be any backlash of people that were like i was on your team because now you're i think so yeah because okay. i usually i built a little bit of a community at the beginning by making food and All i would right. talk about the food and i'll talk about what i'm eating um i did a, a, a raw food cer- certification in bali years ago so after i finished that i was posting a lot about food and that's how i grew a following at the beginning but then he slowly realized like, oh, food isn't the end all, honey. You got to work with your mind if mm-hmm. you want to like really and to really open your heart. You got to train your mind like body's only, yeah. you know, helping you with one part. I think listening to you, it's interesting that you've really embodied the concept of the term spirituality. You've really sunk your your feet into that. And I think that that's it's actually quite courageous because I, I deem you from what I've gathered as being like a really authentic person. And oftentimes, anyone time someone says the term spiritual, I'm like, and this is very common. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm not the only one, but all the red flags go up, mm-hmm. you know, and there's kind of like the, you know, those who say do not know, those who know do not say. 
And I think oftentimes when you get in front of Erwan in Venice and everybody's talking about their Kundalini and their oh, spirituality shit. and yeah. their transcendence, yeah. I think oftentimes they're just kind of feeding on their own mm -hmm. kind of indiv individualistic, mm -hmm. selfish narcissism. That's right. And it's like, and then the spiritual bypassing and all that. There's, it's oh like, it's very murky water. That's right. But then if you, if one does have an experience with like spirit, it's like, oh, it's very clear. That's right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, say it. And, and I got to tell you, one of the reasons when I first got back from living abroad, I came to Los Angeles and was like, I want to make a home here. And then I would just go to parties and see friends. And I was just so turned off by all of that, mm. by the crystals, by the clothes, by the, you know, living out what spirituality should look like mm -hmm. and should sound like. So I was like to a few weeks here, a few months actually here, live, living in Santa Monica, not too far from you. I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. This is mm -hmm. not my training. This is not what I, what I've been exposed to. So then I went to New York and I felt like the. It is your training. I'm sure. Cause it's yeah. all about that exposure is all a part of your lessons. Yeah, exactly. I you mean, know? part, all of it. It was also like redesigning my relationship to, to what I think it's like fluff and to what I think it's authentic. It's all my own bullshit, you know? Right. But. I definitely needed to get out and be be in the New York space with friends who were activists and friends who had a relationship to spirituality that's very different than mine. You know, sitting in my cushion, training the mind, praying over the food, talking to a guru, going on pilgrimage, <laughs> doing all the fucking ridiculous shit that I do every single day that people are like, what the fuck are you doing? And then having painters who are like, bitch, I'm in the flow, honey, when I'm in front of that canvas. Right. The, the path to freedom looks different for everybody. Yeah. But I had been sort of rigid in my own idea that when I came here, I was like, oh my God, oh, this is so weird. I can't get into it. But then after three years of New York, I was like, okay, now I need a little up lifestyle upgrade. And then that's when I came to Venice. I've been here for a year now. Hmm. Yeah. What are hard times for you in the present? Right now? Yeah. What are, are there things that you push away? Are there, things, are there attachments and aversions? To oh my like, God, so many. Yeah, of where, course, where, constantly. Where, where, uh, where are you at with that? The attachments and aversions that I'm having right now a lot is in regards <laughs> to dating. Oh. Yeah, it's been so prevalent. I was telling one of my teachers, uh, Venerable Tenzin Choki, she's a legendary saint, spent six years in solitary retreat. She was like, Sa, the reason why I'm a nun, it's because of this whole bullshit that you're going through right now. I was like, great feedback. Thank you. Wonderful. That helps me nothing. <laughs> like legit nothing. And, and the truth is I've only wanted to start, I've only feel like the karma ripened for me to want to start dating. Uh, it was last year spring of 2020 that I was actually like, okay, I have the time and the space and I want to like make a life with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I met somebody at a silent retreat. This motherfucker broke the silence okay. at 545 in the morning and be like, hi, Sa. I was, I thought he was straight. I was like, because straight passing. I was like, I couldn't really tell. Also, I'm going to retreat to do my fucking work to not make friends really. But he broke the silence. I was like, okay, you're a look. I'm intrigued but you broke the silence. Do I break the silence? And I'm checking with myself, my, you know, being accountable to my vows. This is probably his first retreat. I've, you know, been doing this shit for a minute. So I was like, all right, I'll break the vows. What's up? And then we start talking. <laughs> Anyways, six months go by of us getting to know each other. And then I was like, I'm ready to be, to be exclusive. Are you ready to do that? He's like, no. I was like, okay, great. Thank you. Fuck this fucking lesson. And I was like, I mean, legit, like I remember smoking cigarettes the night that that happened. Mm. I remember I just going into a whole moment of despair. This was November, actually 12th. And then I talked to him again, December 15th. 
And he was like, oh, I've been dating somebody. We're actually quite serious. So to say the least, aversion and attachment, it's coming up in extreme waves when it has to do with dating. Mm, yeah. I'm with that. Yeah. Really wanting it, but feeling like, do I just want it because everyone else around me has a partner or, or you know, is creating a life with somebody else? Or do I really want it because it's like, it's the right time for me? So I've been navigating these waves, you know, and going on some really tragic dates where I'm like, what the fuck did I just get myself into? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And then coming home, driving home and being like, this is like a waste of time. And then remembering the lessons. Thank you. You know, every, every fucking tragic experience is a blessing in drag, right? We talk about this often. Mm-hmm. It's a but, teacher. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for being a guru. Thank you so much. But just feeling like, oh my God, again, why are, I have a date with someone today, but I'm saying, I'm instead of seeing us each other in person, I'm going to ask him, hey, do you see a therapist? Mm. Do you meditate? Mm. What's your relationship to drugs and alcohol? Instead of me doing this in person, yeah. you know, do you talk to your mom? How do you feel about forgiveness? Like some really fucking foundational things that I'm not like then three hours later being like, oh, fuck, I just wasted three hours of my fucking life that mm-hmm. I could have been like serving the community, deepening my own relationship to, you know, to my teachers and, and my studies. Yeah. But again, there's a, there's a fella called Boyd Vardy. Okay. Who, he's uh He's like an internet friend. I'm playing meetup. He lives in, in South Africa and he leads these lion safaris where okay. he, he, he tracks lions. They don't kill them. They don't like literally, they just cruise around and, you know, try to find lions. Yeah. They're like, cool, we're with lions. And that's, okay. And that's it. And he would call your experience when some tragic date, that's the, that's the path of not here, which is great. And so when you're tracking a lion and you go into a cave and you think, okay, this might be it. Yeah. And you get inside there, it's like, oh, fuck, there's no lions. And so it's like, that's not a tragedy. That's mm-hmm. okay. Now we know that cave is not, there's no lions in there. That's right. You know, so it's like, I think it's it's interesting how we can kind of navigate our lives through, you know, the filters that we perceive the world through. Mm-hmm. And if we see each moment as, oh, another tragedy, another tragedy. I wonder if we kind of kind of feed energy into that tragedy momentum. Oh, completely. And it, I think there's that that creates, again, like the teacher in drag, the opportunity mm-hmm. to alchemize that into something that's like, oh, like, well, you know, what's the, you know, what's the light in that situation? That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I think <laughs> totally, 100%. And I think a big thing for me is like how insatiable my attachment is that I literally will glorify someone's glimpses of potential as their present reality sure because you, you are. know because i want it and mm-hmm. i want it now but it's it's so intoxicating and, and i think you <sighs> can have impact because we're always we're turning together we're like right right now you and i are a stew you know so your ingredients impact mine mine impact yours that's right and so i think there is there could be value the unnecessary term for it is called the pygmalion effect which is when you essentially you like paint ideals upon a person and then they express them out because of your belief mm-hmm. and vice versa that's right where you think this person's a you know raging cunt whatever and mm-hmm. then like yeah they're kind of you're right yeah <laughs> i mean it's so true and i think a huge pro- a huge practice is to is to be aware of someone's present reality while holding their enormous potential right. in the same breath but oftentimes their present reality overshines their potential or should it be the other way around it could be either way you know so, and that's the, I see that in yoga classes. I shouldn't express this, although I've, I've said lots of awkward things on the podcast, but oftentimes, let's go. Classes, you got me to talk about often, me. You're talking to me about, you got me to talk about dating. Oftentimes <laughs> in yoga classes and I'm a yoga teacher, so this is even worse. And then me too. And all the things is problematic that I'm saying this, but I'm like, you know, attracted to a lot of girls in yoga classes. And then 
oftentimes when I get out, I'll be like, uh, like zero percent attraction. And it's an interesting thing that like while they're doing that, you know, that obviously there's some poses, they're iconic of certain things in life. But I think what it is, I see their light, mm-hmm. you know, and so when you see that person in that room and, you know, the, the lights are a little dim mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But you, I think what it is, is like in that moment, I see this like fully expressed part of that person. That's right. And then when they come out into the next room mm-hmm. and they put back on their clothes and they got their watch on and the cell phone out. Their and psychological mask. It's, it's, it's a new wardrobe in, That's a, right. in a sense. And I'm like, oh, like, like off. Yeah. And it's just fascinating how each person that really does oftentimes kind of have almost like a, like a different like mm-hmm. costume depending upon the people they're with, the room they're in, their country that they're in. That's right. And also sometimes, I mean, I see a lot in this in this space of, and I'm not saying that's your predicament, but some people's curriculum is they equate flexibility in yoga with like psychological flexibility mm. or like spiritual progression, which I think could be so alluring in the in the time of Instagram where people who have bilateral training or dance training then become yoga teachers or yoga practitioners. And they have these really elaborate and very beautiful postures. But then when you actually like get to know their mind, it's like, oh, honey. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about physical, postural and mental, emotional relationship? Because posture is, from my perception, certainly indicative of of a person's life story in a way, Mm. you know, and their their present state and all of that. So Mm -hmm. if someone comes into a room and they're all hunched over and they don't want to make eye contact Mm -hmm. and that is true to a degree. Yeah. I think that's knees and feet. Totally. And I think that's true for to a degree, but, and no, but, and I do think that when there is this hyper need to perform such perfect asanas, unless the person has really cultivated the whole purpose of asana practice, which is to sharpen the mind, then you're actually just like performing a role and not actually doing the work of concentration of mind, openness of heart, you know, transfer like transformation of perspective. I don't know. I've, I've, I've practiced with a, with an Ashtanga guru in, in the South of India for a while. And she would actually tell me she would be in these crazy asana upside down in these weird postures. She would literally turn to us and be like, do you think I'm present because I'm doing this perfect iconic posture that all my hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram think I'm doing. I'm thinking about when this class is going to be over and it will be so jarring for us, the students to, 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 <laughs> to listen to the guru being like, bitch, wake up. It's really not about perfecting the posture. It's about perfecting the quality of mind in that posture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a yoga teacher. I did do that. I did do that training, but for for me, it has the whole game has been about studying the the sutras to really, you know, develop the mind, mm-hmm. develop my better qualities, yeah. open my heart, that kind of stuff. When you go through moments of feeling really attached or you know, wanting to push some sensation away, mm-hmm. what's your blueprint for navigating that? Such a good question. Thank you for that. First, pause, recognize, oh shit, I feel like shit. What's going on? The breath. Mm-hmm. And I also like navigate depending if my breath is shallow, I know that my mind's orienting either towards future tripping or rumination. Yeah. And my default has been rumination. And for those of you, I mean, yeah. I'm sure in the podcast, ruminating, overthinking the past, right? Thinking, try to believing that we can think our way through trauma instead of like doing a somatic practice to release and transform. Yeah. So first awareness. I mean, the the lineage that I study, it says that awareness at some point, you're going, just being aware 
it will be the it will be freedom will happen just by being aware. Mm-hmm. But I'm not there yet. I always have to apply an antidote. Being aware is the first step, and then the breath. And then usually I have to like either treat my mind to a mantra or really just like reconnect to the present moment by like looking at my hands, looking around me, depending the intensity of the wave that I'm navigating in that moment. Yeah. But the noticing and be, and and using the breath and a few set of like precious words it usually helps me to release the hook and if it's really intense then you see me dancing you know those random mm. times that i'm on instagram just 2 p.m on a tuesday nothing to talk about but just i'm just dancing you better know that i'm navigating some challenging wave right now that has literally taken me for a spin yeah i think it's a combination but i think also i think a huge thing it's the pause you know, really just pausing and like trying to always respond, create spaciousness, asking myself, what else is here? What else is here for me to, to experience? Yeah. But I think one other thing too, that's, I think it's important to mention, it's every moment asks us to respond in a different way. Sometimes we do have, I do have a, a sort of a restricted blueprint to use your language to how to transform that and how to release it but it, it really depends i mean on my way here driving here i felt this little buzzing anxiety in my belly yeah. i just like looked at it literally brought my attention to, to my belly i was like oh cute gone breath music yeah. go yeah. back in the now like that what was that buzzing anxiety i don't know it's just like here it goes there's a little anxiety mm. go yeah i think it's such a cool there's like a couple things. One, I think it's such a fascinating opportunity to have the, I guess, the, the tools or the know-how or the presence or what have you to be able to observe the body. That's right. In a, would it be subjective way, objective way, objective way, where you say, okay, here's the body buzzing. Mm-hmm. Now here's my stomach wrinkled up in knots. Mm-hmm. Here's my ankle hurting. Mm-hmm. Here's my mind feels like there's like a tornado fucking That's wrecking right. a, a circus carnival. And it's just, there's chickens flying. I'm like, this is here. This is, mm-hmm. you know, and not necessarily, this is me. That's right. Just this, this is experience. That's right. I mean, like, um, I speak about parts of vocabulary it's actually such a such a simple tool but when you're experiencing a difficult emotion see what that difficult emotion what's hardwired with that difficult emotion the buzzy anxiety if you asked me that question what is that five maybe six years ago what i'll tell you i would have told you oh i'm experiencing suicidal ideation mm-hmm. because that buzzing anxiety was hardwired with these suicidal thoughts right once i you know started to do the purification of mind openness of heart those suicidal thoughts were no longer present in my internal landscape but the buzzing anxiety would still show up here and there and oftentimes in our work um, and i say this you know i think in therapy you ask why am i experiencing this in spiritual practice you ask how do i transform this how do i move forward mm. um there isn't a, there isn't a lot in my understanding of buddhist psychology which is my training of how do you actually um this isn't so much about why am i experiencing this it's like how do i change what i'm experiencing how do i recalibrate my nervous system how do i expand more deeply how do i become a better global citizen in in that very moment of releasing the anxiety like how do i develop my my ethical code a degree higher in that very moment want to take a brief moment and discuss one of the most important supplements that I have taken. 
that supplement is magnesium. Obviously, you find magnesium in food as well, but the issue with that is in order for magnesium to be in the food that we eat, it has to be in the soil that the food is growing in, and that soil has been largely deficient magnesium for several decades. So the solution is to get yourself some magnesium from someone like BioOptimizers. The reason that I take magnesium from BioOptimizers specifically, the Mag Breakthrough is the name of their, their specific blend, as it contains all seven unique types of magnesium. Many of the supplements that you get in the store only contain one or two or three or whatever. They don't have all of it. So it's a full-spectrum magnesium supplement that tastes delicious. It's the highest quality stuff that you could possibly get. Uh, and it is majorly supportive for muscle repair, for nervous system downregulation, i.e. sleep. If you're feeling a little bit frenetic, feeling a little static, you're feeling like it's tough to, to fall asleep at night, you feel a little groggy when you wake up, your muscles feel sore, uh, magnesium is an absolute no-brainer. I stand behind magnesium all the way, and I think BioOptimizers makes the best magnesium on the mother-flipping market. And you can get yourself a 10% discount by going to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast. And uh, get yourself a cool 10% discount and a 100% money back guarantee. If you do not feel a difference from using this stuff, send it back, get your money back. That is my suggestion to you. If you don't notice a change in the stuff that you're taking, then don't take it. You know, you should feel this stuff. All right, that's it. Hope you enjoy it. Magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. I wonder before we, we got into the sauna, we were talking. About, I'm already dropping a sweat, that's honey. Good. Shit. Embodied cognition. Okay, fuck. <laughs> uh, embodied cognition, that term. I said it was, was good talk about the term is essentially what that means is your mind your thoughts your perceptions are consistent with your environment okay and so you know we drink hot tea mm-hmm. and all of a sudden perhaps we perceive each other as a little bit more like open and expansive and mm-hmm. like soothing as far okay. as like ice water and if it was like too cold in here and there's like a fan in the background all of a sudden you're like this Aaron guy's a real jerk yeah you know, because your environment is mm-hmm. informing your filter. Mm-hmm. And so we go into a hot sauna and we're sweating it out. And we're kind of, to me, it feels, this could be a bunch of bullshit, but it feels almost like it goes deeper into yeah. potential, I don't know, thoughts, feelings, whatever. Sure. I it's working. Know. Yeah. I don't, I don't It's know. working. I, don't I like this talk, experience, though. But so the thing we were talking about before. Oh, I didn't talk about parts about... vocabulary, though. I should just say it. All right, go, go, go. I'm just, yeah, I, yeah. because. I got on talking about the how versus the why, whatever. But uh, parts vocabulary (laughs) real quick, just so people know, when you are experiencing anger, depression, anxiety, whatever may be, whatever variation of of, like what we say in Buddhist uh, philosophy, unwholesome or destructive emotions, it's important for you to recognize it's only a part of you that's experiencing that. So you can actually just laser in and say a part of me is experiencing anger. Part of me is experiencing depression. Part of me. And that just that simple vocabulary change instead of saying, I am experiencing sure. anger, I am experiencing depression. With that just upgraded vocabulary, you, you, you recognize your expensive nature. Mm. You're not allowing a passing cloud to define the essence of this massive sky mm. that we are. 
Yeah. Uh, so that that's just that simple thing. And I, as you, you do it often enough throughout the day, check, check it with yourself. How often you're overly identifying with your passing emotions, with your passing thoughts, with your passing feelings. And each time you notice that you're hooked, that you're taken, you know, take a deep breath and just say, a part of me is experiencing that. What else is here for me to experience? A part of me is experiencing that. What else is here for me to experience? Mm. In that very moment, you're going to notice that that buzzing anxiety starts to transform, starts to become something else, and you have access to a new state of being, yeah. you know, like that. So the thing you are talking about before was, was like over-intellectualizing, which I think people could probably hear. I'm already on that end in this conversation where I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, like back into the body, back into the heart. But I think that there's the possibility if you are in like asking these questions of the hows and the whys and all that, and how do I transform and, you know, all of those words of perhaps almost bypassing and, and keeping yourself up in that intellectual part That's as right. opposed to acceptance, surrender, mm-hmm. and just being with the thing and say, okay, here it is. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't need to have a definition mm-hmm. because here it is. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder at what point is that empowering and what point is that that surrender come into like learned helplessness is mm. a term with they did this study with dogs and if they put these dogs on this like shock floor thing it would shock them like oh oh shit and they give them a button okay to turn off the shock then they would be empowered and the shock comes on they say no big deal press the button and then the other dogs, they would not give them a button. And at first they're like, ah, oh, they're trying to figure they have this energy to, 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 to resolve and come yeah, through it. Yeah. But there's no button. And eventually they go into this kind of collapsed, withdrawn, apathetic, despondent. Mm. And then when they're presented the button, they don't reach out for it. And so I wonder, like, how does one know when it's time to fully surrender and accept and when it's time to punch the gas? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I mean, I, I think that. It takes a very, very disciplined practitioner to be able to truly experience the passing waves of our internal landscape without being affected, without having a psychological residue. Mm. You know, I think it takes a very disciplined. Um, I, I have been in this in this fucking thing for uh, for a minute now um seven years discipline daily practice you know sitting with the guru going to pilgrimage doing the thing over and over and over again and i have to tell you it's i still have to sort of like the surrender piece i gag with that word like it's not a good gag it's the like oh it's oh, just really? people when they say that word i'm like bitch what do you mean by surrender yeah, honey sure, explain yeah. it to me <laughs> and oftentimes people are like it makes me want to like force throw up on their face once <laughs> more when they talk about surrender because <laughs> it's in in buddhist psychology in the vajrayana practice which is my lineage of study you really just have to to actively choose again and again and sometimes when I hear the word surrender, it's just kind of like, live it up to God, live yeah. it up to Lord, whatever. take the wheel. You Jesus, know? take exactly. the wheel. Yeah. And I see some of the comments <laughs> on some um, viral content of people being like, oh, you're wrong. You should just give it up to God. You should just give it up to this. You should just give it up to the universe. I'm like, yeah, so then you're going to continuously be the victim to your circumstances. You're never going to take the fucking blame for the fact that you're creating all the good and the bad in your life. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe you can educate me on the word surrender. But essentially, I think we we just until we reach a point where our awareness is so expensive and our perspective 
of ourselves and the world has drastically changed, that we're no longer seeking out threats or we're no longer mm -hmm. seeing flaws and ugliness. And we're actually just in this state of inspired gratitude and ecstatic joy as like a default of mind. Yeah. I think we have to continuously work and like learn from our emotions and learn from our feelings and learn from the kinds of thoughts that we're cultivating. And, 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 you know, there's a, big part of our of, of, of our of my lineage of study it's cultivation of merit right thinking that recognizing that every thought that you engage believe speak from and act under is creating karma yeah. therefore you're creating your reality therefore there's no one to blame therefore if you are holding on to a certain kind of feeling or a certain kind of thought or doing a certain kind of thing uh, repetitively as part of your routine you're going to create a life that is like unskillful unwholesome destructive you know mm. so i don't even know if i answered your question but no there's no like, question but that was what was present for me to talk about i, I think it. it's a i think it's a I, I've, I've had a couple of friends who I genuinely trust as guides to explain to me surrender. And I get it, but I feel like, okay. So, I, so what's coming up for me uh, is I think everything is, is, comes down to relationship. And when you have two, I think maybe the term be like coherent waves that come together, mm. you, you get like a super wave. <laughs> When you get to incoherent waves, which incoherent coherent might not be the right term, but mm -hmm. they you know they, they mesh together, they're mm -hmm. consistent wavelengths. They'll that will create this this clash, this cacophony. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's a potential, perhaps, relationship that we could have of surrender mm -hmm. to whatever your word is or idea, God, universe, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. whatever your thing is. So surrendering to that higher intelligence while also putting your own chutzpah, you know, putting gas in the car and getting up and, and doing the work, mm -hmm. but not thinking it's you doing it. You know, it's it's like a am 100% here, God, mm -hmm. and I surrender to you being 100% here. Mm -hmm. Now I think we get this super wave. Mm -hmm. And that could just be some nonsense. Mm -hmm. Does any, what, do, what do you think about that? So it's like surrender, but like with like a fucking yeah. kick in the ass. Yeah, I mean, still, I'm kind of like, okay, can we use another word? <laughs> what don't you like about surrender? This is interesting. For me, I think the word surrender, it's, thank you for talking about this because it's, yeah. uh, I feel like it's, I don't get to sort of explain enough my aversion towards this word. When I think about surrender, I think about, about just kind of like, okay, it is what it is, mm -hmm. but it's really not. It is what you make of it, mm. you know? And when I think about that word, I think it's like those people that says, oh, this is my life. This is me. Surrender. It's yeah. like, no, girl, you got, you could do this. Like you and I share the same potential yeah. to be happy and to be free of have mental you used afflictions. psychedelics? I have. Okay, uh, so that, that would be an interesting context for me where surrender comes in to be a, okay. a very valuable tool. Okay. It's like for me going into to a scenario like that, because I have, you know, historically I've had some fear of like, what am I going to bump into okay, in this yeah. thing that I call self? Yeah, yeah. And so my kind of mantra going into a time where I'm like, okay, like. I surrender getting, to whatever the fuck, yeah. Yeah, you're at the space station okay. and you see yeah. the you know, lights are gone and yeah. five, four, three, two, one. I'm just like, Boom. I surrender, I surrender. I okay, surrender, so I guess from I that surrender. perspective, in that context, not, it works. I'm not driving this thing. Yeah. Whatever is, whatever is appropriate, like, I'm here. If it feels uncomfortable, I'm here. Yeah. If it feels blissful, I'm here. That's right. I mean, I guess for that context, it works, but in psychedelics, not part of my practice. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't get that kind of like 
induced hallucination. Mm -hmm. I enter into a state of hallucination. You know, we're hallucinating right now, right? We can, one could say that. Sure. But I think the surrendering in that context works. But for me, I still have, I don't know if maybe I'm just too rigid and restricted with my own practice. I mean, I've done ayahuasca twice. I've done acid, mushrooms, but ever since three years and seven months, it's been three and seven months now, holy fuck, I've been sober. Mm. So the closest to me entering to places that I would qualify surrender in that context is what happens in the cushion well i think it's closed you know like yeah i that. think that, i think meditation is just a that's psychedelics right. are just a, a little microcosm of life meditation right. is a microcosm of life this conversation is about like everything yeah. it's all fractals yeah you know so i think in that scenario and then some when you start to kind of explore the far end of the pendulum swinging out where it's like okay there's you know, there's snakes crawling up my chest and, you know, I've right. seen visions of my yeah. great, great grandfather chopping wood or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm like, wow, this is imprinting or memorable mm -hmm. in that scenario. I think it's like, okay, like the way that I navigate this can come back into the way that I navigate, you know, maybe my coffee was too late when I was at a Starbucks or whatever. You know, so what lessons can I get from that scenario that comes back into my, you know, my waking state. Mm -hmm. And so, I, mean, I think that's. I think we we've, we've pretty much said what we can say about it. From my lens, I think there's there can be a balance of both surrender and you know getting after it. That's right. And I just want to say one thing that's come up for me. I think oftentimes how I could interpret the word surrender, and now sort of backtracking a little bit more, it's like acceptance of what's happening. Yeah. Without approval, you know, accepting what is without approving to it. Because when you approve to an experience, you're giving consent for more of that to happen, right? Yeah. Perhaps. So I think acceptance, I'm trying. I'm really trying to like the word, as you can tell. I'm really like trying to fucking get it, get behind this word Are you surrender. putting acceptance and surrender in the same I'm same sort basket? of like, yeah, I'm kind of like- if That's I, what I would say. I, yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of like thinking of a surrender and like breaking it down layers, right? So if, I, if you were to tell me, Oh, I'm going through a really hard time, Sa. And you may I call you and you're like, surrender, bitch. And I'm like, fuck you. But then I'm like, okay, what is what is what is he telling me? Okay, cool. Surrender. Yeah. Okay, accept that this is present, yeah. you know, without the desperate need to to change anything right now. Like be with what is yeah. without approving of of this experience for it to proliferate and continue to grow in a variety of ways. But then after that, what comes up for me is that the doing. Yep. The necessary application of an antidote, you yep. know, I've only got out of the hole that I was in because of a disciplined practice, you know. What was the hole that you were in? Oh, and it was a long, deep hole. <laughs> it was a dark hole. Suicidal ideation for, for a couple of years. Couldn't forgive myself, couldn't forgive others. And that led me to drinking, doing drugs. And I think at the, at the low, at the... Uh, essence of that suicidal trip was feeling like I was innately a bad person, mm. innately wrong, undeserving, unloving, broken mm. because of my queerness and mm. growing up in a household that we never talked about it. My parents never asked me, do you like boys or do you like girls? It was always like, where's your girlfriend? Mm. Why isn't she coming home? Why So that kind of imposed connection I like to use the word connection because they're trying. Yeah. It was quite traumatic for a young boy to like not have somebody to genuinely get to know this person's 
you know, who I truly am. So that led to a lot of self-hate. That self-hate then led to every little mistake I made, big or small, to really, you know, whip myself further and further to believe that I wore I was my mistakes, the misperception of guilt versus shame, and to really feel like every single little thing I did was a reflection of who I am at the base of my being. Until my very first retreat in spring of 2014. In the first few days, my teacher, Venerable Joan Nissel, iconic teacher. She's been a Buddhist nun for 33 years now. She said, everyone's innately good. Mm. And I never heard that before. I never heard these, this simple set of words. Everyone's innately good. I was like, oh, fuck. That changes everything. How come this is not a reoccurrence? How come this is not something that we're told? I mean, I grew up in a home that because of war and because of, of certain things that have happened to my grandparents, I was trained to look at a certain set of people as innately bad. Yeah. I was conditioned to see a certain set of people as innately undeserving of kindness. But that's so far from the truth, mm. you know? How do we get talking about this again? Keep going. I'm okay. loving it. That's it. I'm here with Oh, you. how I got into the hole. Yeah, the hole. The hole has to do with that. Yeah. The hole was because of that. <laughs> yeah. The hole was because of that. It was inability to forgive, inability to make peace with, with my past. All of it stemming from this very, very prevalent karma of thinking that I was innately bad. Mm. You know? I wonder how much of that originates from ancestry and religion and because that's like i i grew up personally being raised to believe that i am innately a sinner you know and i am wrong that's right and my salvation is dependent on this outside source that's right people comment on my shit that all the time yeah and i'm like girl you're getting deleted because Mm. we do not need that old paradigm here yeah or maybe, you know, they need a hug and love and that's that right. more than anybody. That's right. I, I delete and, with a blessing, honey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's block and bless. That's the work, you know? Never with aversion. It's always block and bless. But keep yeah. going because that happened today. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person <laughs> externally. Beautiful karma. But I'm like, girl, you see thousands of comments of people feeling so moved by the fact that I'm just here reminding them that they're innately good. Yeah. And there you are saying you're wrong. Everyone's it's quoting it's Saying the exact thing you're saying. Yeah. The tendency, this comes from the body keeps the score, maybe I'm, I'm gathering this from, but our tendency is to, we'll continue re-digging up mm-hmm. traumatic patterns as a means to, to heal them. Mm-hmm. And so what I potentially could, could see or feel in the instance of someone flicking you off on the highway or whatever, stealing your wallet or yelling at you or saying some shit on the internet is them literally provoking this sore that they have as this is just one could be mm-hmm. whacking new age lens, mm-hmm. but they're kind of provoking that as a means of like reaching out for help. A hundred percent. Not to say not... that it's your responsibility yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. be their custodian yeah. of their own healing. Mm-hmm. But in, in a way it almost feels like, Oh, I think those are actually the people that are, are really saying like, Oh, I could use a hand. That's right. Yeah. You know, but there's so, another more more skillful way of asking. That's true. And maybe know? maybe maybe the yeah. hand that you're giving them is saying, okay, this is yeah. this is the medicine that you get is just full blackout. Blackout girl. Hi. <laughs> like not right now. And then sometimes maybe if you catch me one of these days when I'm feeling really generous, yeah. I can go through the unblock list. And I don't get this very often though. I have to tell everybody. You just start like, a Facebook group of your blocked people. No, I don't get it very very often, to okay. be honest. Like I'm I, I I honestly I feel so blessed that like the community flu supports the way I present myself, the way I 
present my teachings in a way that I don't get these comments often. But when they do, I'm kind of like, girl, haven't you watched? Haven't you read anything else that I'm saying? Haven't you seen anything else? Haven't you read this amazing stream of comments of everybody feeling moved by remembering that they're innately good? When you remember that, that's what you see in the world. That's you That person a, can't see that. Exactly. They can't see you that. You know, there's a beautiful quote from Thich Nhat Hanh, iconic Buddhist master. He says, Zen Buddhist master, he says, we are so familiar with feeling, I'm paraphrasing. Every time I paraphrase my teachers, it's going to sound sassy as fuck. That's great. He says, he says, <laughs> says listen, bitch. Listen, Every bitch. Time. He's like, exactly. He's like, listen, bitch. <laughs> We're so familiar with feeling like shit that doing anything different, it's so foreign that we'd rather stay feeling like shit. Of course, because we might die. We haven't died here. Just through the fact that you're here having this conversation feeling like shit means mm-hmm. that it's working. That's right. You've survived. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which I find fascinating. And another thing too, it's like to just uh, say, you know, reflect back on what you said. I, I feel like if we stop to recognize that with the natural law of karma, every action comes with a consequence. So you commenting something unskillful in someone's post, you're literally creating more of a nightmare for yourself. Yep. You're saying something kind to somebody, you're creating a benevolent state of being for yourself, you're creating heaven on earth. But we underestimate the fact that everything is being documented. You know, mm-hmm. Even when you're driving on the street and you stop at a, at, at a red light and you see someone crossing by and you place a really unskillful, unwholesome label on that person because you're in this anonymous space place in your car you think that that's not being documented that that doesn't have a consequence newsflash bitch that does that's literally creating a reality i just wish people would recognize that a little bit more just like gravity right we can't see it karma's the same way bitch what do you attribute you going down to the the dark pits of despair in yourself do you think that that was destiny do you think that was ancestry do you think that was your own doing do you take responsibility for it absolutely we don't talk about ancestry though we don't it's kind of a difficult thing because like i did do this tedx talk about transgenerational trauma mm-hmm. and then i wrote I watched this it. you did yeah. okay so i don't believe in that anymore yeah sorry oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> flopper yeah no it's <laughs> out of my sauna that's it's really it's really I, it's really great that i that i'm 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 like I have unwavering faith in my path that like I can change and become a different person, not give a fuck as long as I'm becoming free and a better human. I did write about the fact that I have changed my perception about trauma passing down Mm. in my new book. And it took a while to sort of like find the correct words. But once you learn more about the natural law of karma and the first conversation I had with Deepak Chopra that we kind of got along at dinner was about this. It was about my conflict being conflicted about like, why is it that we talk about transgenerational? Tra- and I have to just sort of pause here for one second, give context. If listen, if thinking about trauma passing down through chemistry is helping you get to know your parents and getting to know your own internal tendencies better, mm-hmm. then pause the podcast and don't listen to the next five minutes. Work with that. Work with that for a couple of years and then come out to the other side, you know? Yeah. Pick the high view for you. If the high view for you is science, wonderful. If the high view for you is, is a spiritual practice, like understanding the natural law of karma, then whatever high view it is for you works. They're so when you think- vehicles. Of, exactly. Do you want a Mazda or do you want a That's Nissan? Right. Or what, yeah. are you, what are you into? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to agree to that. I'm not going to even come back to this car analogy because I would. <laughs> but here's, here's, my, here's my little humble addition to that. Yeah. Karma, we actually, it's we choose our parents. 
Okay, we choose our parents based on their mental tendencies. So when you're coming into, when I was coming into this new life, as this new set of mental events and physical experience, I chose a set of parents because they had similar tendencies that I did, that I still do, and they have the perfect conditions that will help me to get to know myself and develop myself to its fullest potential. Mm -hmm. So that leaves no room for blame. When you're thinking about transgenerational trauma, and this is far out, and I, I'm open for it, honey. You're a fair scientist and you're going at it and you still think about if, if you practice, you're practicing Buddhist, you understand natural law of karma, whatever it may be. Let's talk. Let's talk. I'm open. I'm open to understanding. I'm open to being educated. But when you're reading and you're studying trauma passing down from different generations, right? Lineage or ancestry. That's the word you use. It leaves some room for blame. It leaves some room for me like victimhood. Exactly. I'm this way because my parents were alcoholics. I have depression because my mom was this. And that was my whole TED talk. It was like, I'm this way because my grandma committed suicide. And then that, that, that happened to my mom. That was my whole TED talk. It was that. It was yeah, exactly yeah. that. Your Cute was, look. Your mom was 10, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. You have good memory. Or did you just literally watch it before me coming in? Uh, no, I watched it this morning. So not that good. Oh. Yeah. So, so. Moderate. Moderate. <laughs> okay, cool. So essentially, that uh, it leaves room for blame. And karma leaves no room for blame. Mm. There's no one to blame but you. Sorry, honey. And I know it's difficult in a traditional setting, traditional psychoanalysis setting, that we're constantly looking at the why this happened. We don't have a munition mind, right, in Buddhist psychology yet. So it's one of the superpowers that we're working towards. So because of that, there's no point of saying... Why this happened to me? Why is this happening to me? It's because of that one moment. We can never trace back the first moment that we were angry. We can never trace back the first moment that we were in despair. We can never trace back the first moment that we're jealous. So instead of trying to trace back, look at the karma that's ripening right the fuck now and work towards having a better outcome, mm. you know, a change your relationship to it. So that's kind of a very simple way of understanding karma. Yeah. Yeah. No blame. You chose your parents. Because they have the perfect conditions for you to get to know yourself. And in the American space where it's very much about like graduate high school, go to college and mom and dad see you never, bitch, kind of energy. Yeah, it's true. It's You're true. from Brazil. It's yeah, different culture. exactly. Very different. Yeah. Where in Brazil? Paraná, in the south. Right. A little, small little town, Great. which I haven't gone back in 15 years. When did yeah. you leave there? I was 16. Oh, okay, so you're really from Brazil. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> what was the cultural difference there to here? Just family oriented. Like really right. do your best to like amend and be close to your family. And there's part of the there's part of the literature that says that your first layer of karma is your family. So if you are putting them away, if you're closing them off, if you're saying bye girl, or in this in the new age space, the boundary is such a big word. Again, another word that makes me gag. Yeah. This boundary with your family, boundary with your mom, boundary with your siblings, boundary with your dad. I get it. If you've had a very troublesome upbringing with your parents, I get it. But if you're not actively trying to work that out, and seeing the tendencies that they have as tendencies that live inside of you too, then you're missing a first most uh, first huge layer of getting to know yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's how I've done the TEDx and then written this book that was like a little bit of a, an up level. It's pretty radical, right? Because I feel like you it, really have no no one to blame, but like you. I feel like ultimately we're all just running different operating systems, and if your operating system functions for you in the present, like my dad's. You know, born again Christian. Before that, he was like smoking crack and pimping women and going to jail and like suicidal, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. Then he's got out and now he's like this amazing transcendent Christian Buddha figure of sorts. Epic. He's lovely. Yeah. It's great. I love those stories. 
is great. Mm. Yeah. And so for that, his OS, his operating system is Jesus, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you know, give it all up, give the wheel to Jesus. That's right. You know, and it works for him, you know. And so it's like, as you're, as you're talking, the thing that I guess comes up for me is the first stage, I guess, would be defining you and me. And like, what is you and what does me mean to you? Mm. Are you a continuation of your parents? No. My mind stream is a continuum of my own past actions. Mm. You know? Was there a separation of like the entity of, of you, mm-hmm. you know, this capsule of you. That's right. That came out from wherever mm-hmm. the fuck and then chose said Yoni. Chose. And then came out. That's right. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's far out, but like, listen no, to this. No, I love it. It's I far out. But operating it's, system. Yeah, it's like, it's far out when you think about <laughs> some, what some of the literature says. Some of this like ancient scripture, which I call literature because it's been interpreted a variety of different times uh, by a variety of different karmas. It says that we're actually walking in this hallway in between lives and we're actually seeing parents having sex, Mm. couples having sex. And we're choosing them based on their mental tendencies in that very moment of laying eyes on them. We're actually able to see their tendencies and be like, okay, you're the perfect parents. Are you going to help me to become free? Let's go. I choose you as the right. Where is that written? I mean, it's part of the literature. What's yeah. the literature? I want to read this. Look, Did you know that 33% of uh, downloads on the internet are porn? Really? No. It's the same thing with uh, in the universe, apparently. How so? Because we're watching people do it. Oh, we're all shit. Before, That's right. Pre and post yeah. we still love watching yeah, people do it. Yeah, I mean, but I think that kind of porn is a little bit more <laughs> sacred, you know? I think that porn is like actually setting you free, Hold not on, giving you this, stuck. Where you know? does this come from? Um, Defi- where's to, the sources? Looking to Vajrayana Buddhism. All right. Looking to that. And then read the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Have you ever read that? Listen to it. No, okay. no, I listened. To, I haven't listened to it because it'd be too, it'd be too much for me. I listened to Ram Dass's kind of description of it. Okay. So Ram Dass and I think Tim Leary and another guy, Metz, yeah. Metz, Metzler, they did, yeah. a, they did a book That's called, right. uh, I forget what it's called. But yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't listened to, or read Tibetan Book of the Dead. Getting they to it. Tell, they say that in there? It's Look, here's the thing. I have such a limited view of anything else that comes into my sphere. Uh-huh. Like people tell me, listen to this podcast, watch this thing, do this one thing, uh-huh. read this book. I never do anything that's outside of my lineage, outside of Vajrayana. So anything that I'm consuming, it's I'm doing my very best effort to interpret and share with you. Uh-huh. So look into Vajrayana Buddhism if you're interested in this sort of far out view. Yeah. Look into Tantric Buddhism. That's the language that's used in the West. Cool. That will help you. To what sort resources of would you Because re- I'll... I'll- can I like download some audible stuff? Yeah. I mean, look, on a more grounded sort of, instead of talking about bardos and yeah. past lives and future lives, one book that I highly recommend everybody getting into, it's In Love with the World by Mingyur Rinpoche. Okay. Amazing book. Right. Yeah. From a high, high, high lama, someone who left his entire sort of supreme state in the outside world to go into retreat alone. To go from being a prince, kind of, you know, if you're looking at these llamas as these really elaborate people who have access to to enormous amount of, of different things. He chose to leave all that behind for three years and went into retreat. Hmm. Um, that's an amazing book to read. And he talks about a variety of different, very psychedelic trips, but doing it sort of lucid, right? Without without drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Another book that I love is Cave in the Snow. That's from Tenzin Palmo another iconic radical saint. She's done 12 years in a cave until the Lai Lama's like, girl, 
time to come out, time to teach. Mm. And I had the opportunity of taking the Bodhisattva vow with her two years ago, but it was a really awesome opportunity to to really recognize the urgency that we have as people who are on the spiritual path and to really recognize the whole purpose of the game was to help other people, right? Yeah. The Bodhisattva vow says that may your mind, may our, our body, our speech and our mind be oriented in, in such altruistic ways that everything we do with our body, speech and mind is of benefit to other people. Yeah. So using, using that to sort of refresh your mind, using that to sort of refresh your your refresh your attention and intention throughout the day when you're getting caught up in my life, my needs, my dreams, my yeah. trauma, me, me, me kind of thing. And Which that's the, that's the, the kind of slippery danger of a lot of the yoga world and the meditation that's right. world and like the, the spiritual, that's like that right. version, the murky yeah. spiritual world. That's right. Is it is there can be a lot of intoxication, me, my, with yeah, your intoxication in yourself. Yeah. And so that something that I heard you you mention was a great indication of where you are in your own self-love is how much you wish the well-being to others. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're in that place, you didn't say exactly that, but something along those lines, if it's it's like if you're in a place where you're just like, man, like genuine, I'm not just saying this because this is just the spiritual whatever thing to do, but like I really wish the best for you. Mm-hmm. Like as you're doing that, mm-hmm. it's like this reciprocal medicine back for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's you can create that light through kind of forcing that that engine to come on and then as that engine's on then i think it starts rolling with itself but i wonder if with with you how did you go from such a dark place into where you are now yes concentration of mind Mm. so like not doing any more the advanced techniques of meditation just really training the mind with a single object of focus like the breath or a mantra yeah with what regularity i mean honey at that point like two hours a day Oh really? Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. Huh. It was like it was. I was so underwater. I mean, when you experience suicidal ideation and you actually like some afternoons, you actually plot it out. Mm-hmm. When you have something that gives you just a little glimpse of freedom, you do it. Yeah. Without resistance, you just know that that's gonna ha- that's supporting your freedom. So you just do it. I remember riding my bike around, and I would literally be chanting the Maha Mantra, screaming it out. I didn't give a fuck how people were perceiving me that was my freedom mm-hmm. my vehicle to freedom um i stopped eating sugar yeah, and right. gluten that was big stop drinking coffee mm. big too i drink coffee now and i eat sugar now and I eat gluten now by the way yeah but it's to my relationship to all of it, it's very different I, I remember one of the shows that was like really prevalent at that time was uh, game of thrones mm. and i remember the, watching the red wedding do you remember that no, i mean it was I like a, game of okay good good for you don't Wow. Don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> but it's no good for you. I mean it because like it's all it's all imprinting your mind. It's all, you know, creating creating your, your next moment. Cool. So I remember watching that show and being like, oh my God, this is so tragic. Why am I watching this? People just like kill each other in such like fucked up ways. Yeah. Uh, so I w- stopped watching shitty TV. And don't get me wrong, that show is not shitty. It's just like I guess I'm just gonna stick with it. You impregnate yeah. yourself with images. That's right. You're exactly. Always sowing yeah. seeds. Every little that's it. in there. Oh, germination. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> quick, it's a quick sprout, right? It immediately like becomes a sprout. Um, and I stopped listening to some kinds of music, stopped talking to certain kinds of people. I had a massive purge of like people, placed and things that were developing best qualities that were sort of like keeping me stuck. Mm. But it was the, the devotional practice every day and chanting the mantra set of mantras the maha mantra at that point i wasn't such a disciplined buddhist i was kind of doing all kinds of things with identify as buddhist Mm -hmm. i am buddhist yeah cool 
Yeah. How long has that been the case that you identify with that? Since 2014. Right. I took refuge with my guru, Lama Zopa, in 2014, fall of 2014. And I said, if, I'm, if I take these fucking vows and within a year my life changes, I'll stick with it. Mm. And he did. But the, the initial first thing that was really jarring to keep the vows, it's like, you're not lying anymore. You're not putting people down anymore. Yep. You're not complaining as much anymore. You're not gossiping. I would enter conversations, just be quiet because I didn't know how to talk to people anymore. Mm. You know, like gossiping and low-key lies and low-key glorification or this and that. It was such a part of my vocabulary that I was like, I, have, I literally have nothing to talk about. Right. It's going to stay quiet. Yeah. Until I started to, you know, upgrade my own internal world to then I could speak to things. Things I was curious about, things that inspired me. Gossip is so fucking toxic. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. literally... The moment that one is gossiping, which I catch myself in certain moments, and it's absolutely a time that I feel, you know, affronted by someone or I feel low in myself. It's literally I'm creating this kind of polarization where they are bad, therefore I am good. And the mm -hmm. reason that I'm seeking that is because I inherently do not feel good. Say it, honey. <laughs> Say it loud. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And quickly tracing it back, one more thing I had at that time of really low, 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 I had my sister who she wouldn't say much because I couldn't listen to very much. I couldn't like human words would be a trigger for me, mm. especially like I'm here for you. I love you. They would be literally, you know, like a massive flare up. So she wouldn't talk, but she would just sit next to me. She would just sit at breakfast. She would just sit during lunch. She would sit at dinner and her nervousness to being more regulated helped me to just sort of like yeah. be more at ease. She's medicine. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's tuning you. Yeah. So that was, I think, a combination of stopping eating sugar, meditation, cutting out anything that was like flaring me up. But if you're in kind of more of like a vampirical state, then being around the light might create this. this yeah. <sighs> yeah. You know, you like That's turn exactly to dust or stone it. or however. however yeah. And literally how it, how it would happen <laughs> to me. I'd be like. <sighs> you start having judgment and things of the yeah. sort. But I think there is a certain level of light of sorts that perhaps a person can come to where they just. It's just so much they just shine light on everything. You know what I mean? I think that it's like it's like being around, you know, Jim Rohn has a quote, you become the product of the five people you spend the most time with. You know, so it's like uh, finding those people that really do light you up and also perhaps having the self-awareness to be able to witness like, am I addicted to a certain type of person that kind of draws out my lowest characteristics mm -hmm. because that's my story and that's mm -hmm. my survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love that. I love, I spoke about this not too long ago about the people in our lives who are unintentionally resurrecting old versions of ourselves. Yeah. And we put them there. Yeah. We are responsible. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> far out but and most importantly if you're experiencing the low lows of depression it's a passing wave my love and we may have to remember that no trauma is too big that can't be healed so if you're in that low low place don't suffer in silence reach out mm. and be disciplined about your work about your inner work you know be disciplined about it i think a lot of times we want the poison to leave our bodies and minds right away with one sit with one run with one dance with one prayer with sure. one mantra but it's like Honey, you've been cultivating that poison for many, many, many lifetimes. Yeah. You know, so give yourself the the grace and the kindness and the tenderness to to practice over and over again. But stick with it. 
Mm. Like, I think people get so annoyed with the awareness of breath meditation or, or uh, uh, you know, from shamatha to vipassana or metta, you know, more of the, the traditional kind of practices. And they want the visualization. They want to be seeing the, the this and the light. And the, it's like, girl, any of that stuff comes way later. Mm. Start with the fucking training of your mind. Can you be with your breath for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Can you literally become one with your breath? You know, and from that place, then introduce a visualization practice. Then that place, you know, merge consciousness with the Buddha. From that place, merge consciousness with your guru. Wonderful. But at the very early stage, if you're not concentrating your mind, if you can't actually like rest in the present moment, then go back, start again. Yeah. Stop going to, and I say this and it's a little bit wild because I mean, in the library that I had, I offer my students, we have so many different kinds of practices, but it's like when people come in and they're going through a pickle, I don't recommend them to do advanced practice. I'm like, go back to the breath. Meditation. So I think it's, so I'm big on gratitude. I think like if we can, if there's some aspect of your life that you do not have complete utter gratitude for, like truly, then from my present lens i feel like okay there's your work you know if there's a person cool. that you hate like there's your teacher there's your work like that's mm. like it's almost like a compass like the things that are like oh god it's like that's there's school there you are mm -hmm. like put the damn book down like Very you good. know make that connection yeah you know and so i i think that sometimes there is a the potential to embrace like the darkness and embrace the shit and you know like rumi's mm -hmm. quote like the cure for the pain is in the pain sometimes i think it actually is valuable to put yourself closer to the burner to get to the point of, of needing the meditation and needing the breath work and needing something higher than mm -hmm. yourself. The other option could perhaps be riding just above the burner enough that you can keep maintaining those tendencies that in fact, you know, aren't serving your highest good at all, but you never got into the shit enough to need to create change. So I guess the thing that's come up for me is like gratitude for the fucking fire. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, 100%. <laughs> I have nothing to offer. That was beautiful. I'm like, yes, honey, that's so good. Legit. So, so good. I mean, it, I think uh, having gratitude, it's a big part. And, and gratitude, I, I love that you expanded gratitude. I think oftentimes I see people being like, oh, I'm grateful for my sauna. Yeah. I'm grateful for my right. friends. I love my Tesla. Exactly. So awesome. Yeah, I love my house. It's like, how if you can really like get to the essence of gratitude, which is what you just spoke about, I think that is where the real transformation comes from. Yeah. You know, like being grateful for my suicidal ideation or yeah. grateful for my former business partner who bought me out of a company that I started. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Like that. Is um, there any anything that hangs on for you that's like, oh, man, I'd like to say I'm grateful for that shit, but mm, it's like a little. I mean, stuff. look, my curriculum that I have in this life is just like loving myself more deeply, like mm -hmm. truly recognizing my innate benevolence, Yeah, which is sometimes it's wavering. You know, what I have unwavering faith on is the practice that helped me to, again, take refuge or my benevolence, but it's sometimes it's wavering. Sometimes I can wake up and just feel like shit, yeah, me too. you know, and just feel like I am a piece of shit yeah. and I have nothing to offer. Mm -hmm. And now I have all these people with responsibility to help, mm -hmm. you know, technically, yeah. and I have nothing to give. But then I 
I'm like, I look at my altar. I'm like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's ridiculous for me to say that because at the face of all my teachers are there. Yeah. So I'm literally saying fuck you to them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I don't mean it. And, you know, take a shower, have breakfast. And one thing that helps me when I'm feeling really out of it is to change up my routine. Yeah. It's to not go to the bathroom, drink water, and then sit down to meditate. It's actually switch the bitch up. Mm. Call a friend, go have breakfast with somebody. Yeah, right. Or go for a run when you start. Or dance first, or read first, or whatever. Just switch up the routine. I love it. Yeah, thank you. What a great time, <laughs> Thanks for sharing the moment. Thanks for yeah. getting sweaty. Oh, my God. Tore it up in here. You're a trip. I like it. <laughs> Podcast in the sauna. Fine. You got to do I'm, it. I'm in L.A., you right? Gotta, you gotta, I have you to get into gotta, it. it. West side of L.A., too, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's different over here. Yeah. It is different. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a whole, you know, embodied cognition. You become your environment. I mean. Tracks, track stuff. It hits different. <laughs> it's different, yeah. <laughs> it's Where should people go? People check out uh, what spiritually sassy. Oh yeah, get the new book, yeah. spiritually sassy. Or if you're in America, check out Indie Bound. So you go to the bookstore that's near you, mm. support local. Or if you are outside the country, get it on Amazon. Cool. Let's connect on IG at Sadi Simone. Yeah, you do lovely shit on on the edge. I appreciate you. Thank you. One more thing I forgot to say. <laughs> Join the Spiritually Sassy School. The oh, app. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot that. You got an app. Yeah. All right. It's cute. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we'll just go App Store, Spiritually Sassy? No, it's... What do people get in the app? A link is in my bio to get the app. All right. They um, figure it out from there. Yeah. And it's in there. You have access to courses, meditations. I mean, you have access to all the shit that I have to offer. It's all in there. I love it. Cool. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, sharing the thank time. You. This is great. I look forward to more <laughs> more scenarios like this. All right. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. Over now. Ow. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, you can share it on the internet. Instagram is a likely place. You can tag me at Align Podcast. You can tag Sa at Sa, S-A-H-D, Simone. And if there is a particular part that resonated with you, those are always the most interesting to get to see from our end. Also, if you're a person that wakes up feeling stiff and a little bit achy in your body in the morning, we created the six-week Align Method online program to support you in lubricating those sweet, sultry joints. So each week you get new guidance on how to create more ease in your body as a whole, starting from your ankles to your knees, to your hips, your spine, your neck, your shoulders. We also get into some breath work to help to calm the nervous system or upregulate or stimulate the nervous system free of any types of stimulants. You're your own natural stimulant if you know how to utilize your breathing patterns. And ultimately, the program gives you the tools that every person should have been taught in grade school. And for whatever reason, we're not. We're learning about history and math. And actually, I think history is very valuable, and as is math. But a part of what we should have been learning about is how to take care of our minds and our bodies. And that's what the six-week Align Method online program does. So you can find that at alignpodcast.com slash courses. That's alignpodcast, A-L-I-G-N, podcast.com slash courses. And it is also on discount. So it's about a third of the price that we started at. That's it. That's all. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll see you next week. Bye.